What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Dama back on the show, and today we are kind of recapping the Wizards season a little bit. We're going to break our season review into different segments, and today we're going to be talking about Tommy Shepard and Scott Brooks. But let me just get your raw reaction first, just from the the way the season ended. I mean, I would say that given the circumstances that Game 5 was a, a major disappointment. I mean, we knew that Philly was the more talented team going into the series, but it's just wild to me that when you miss a Joel Embiid that you let Seth Curry and, and Tyrese Maxey beat you in a Game 5. And I'm sure some of that had to do with um, just being home court and all that. But, I mean, they were killing us all series. I mean, it, it's, it, was, it was just kind of shameful, to be honest. I mean, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was a killer. I mean, I just I just knew for sure. I mean, I didn't know for sure, but I felt like no Embiid meant, you know, the lane would open up for our guards to be able to attack and that's to get back to kind of the way we kind of played on that 17 and 6 streak, that identity we had where it was pretty much getting to the rim, paint points and free throws. Um and somehow, even without Embiid, we still found a way not to do that. And then, like, the guards just got exploited defensively, uh, particularly Neto. I mean, Seth Curry was just, you know, I had to, I went back and watched it again. Like, uh, yeah, Seth Curry was just, I mean, he was cooking Neto all night. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it was just, uh, and then Maxi came in and, you know, he was getting by Ish. He was getting by Russ. Like he was getting to the rim. He was very deliberate in how he was playing. Um, I was I was thoroughly impressed by him. But it's like you know, you can't have Seth Curry and a rookie, uh, outplay your 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 two best players or or at least match their production and think right. they're gonna be a number one seed. Like it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, but um, yeah, a very disappointing into the season but i mean it was a hell of a fight from where they were at the beginning of the season not to to make any excuse for them i I still expected more from them um in the series but perhaps we shouldn't have and we're going to get into a little bit more why today uh first before we get too much on scott i just want to go over tommy uh i feel like this was i'll i'll call it a success but the reason I'm hesitating is because I just want to go back to the wall Westbrook trade. And I know everyone's kind of tired of talking about it, but it matters when you talk about grading his season um, in particular. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that John wall is a better player than Russell Westbrook because he's not Uh, Russell Westbrook is a hall of fame player um, who is playing at an all NBA level to close out the season A, a little bit underwhelming in the the postseason, but we'll get into that because we're going to have a separate episode where we talk about Russ and Brad. Uh, But I I still think if you talk about fit and the pieces that we had on the roster going into the season, I still maintain that Wall would have been a better fit for the roster. Um, And so not everything is about talent all the time. I mean, as you can see now, I mean, it's like, do you would would the 
for the Wizards, would you rather have DeMar DeRozan or Jeremy Grant? Okay, well, the answer is Jeremy Grant, but it's not because Jeremy Grant's necessarily a better player than DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan has more skill than Jeremy Grant, 100%. But when you talk about fit for the roster, and, I mean, just a guy who was with your organization for so long, I mean, it was just... It it seems, in hindsight, kind of like... I don't want to say a lateral move, but... I would say it's more lateral than improvement, if if that makes sense. Um, obviously, the Daniel Gafford trade was pretty good. Um, Chandler Hutchison probably won't end up being anything of significance for us, but that's not what the trade was done for. The trade was done to get Gafford, and Gafford looks like a hell of a player for us. Um, yeah. And he and he meshes well with Westbrook and all that, and, and Beal even. So um, I, I like the deal there. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on Tom here before we get into Scott? Yeah, I mean, just to touch on the, the wall Westbrook thing real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your overall premise. Like, it's not so much about best career or best, you know, numbers per se. It's about fit as you're, you're building a team. Because, I mean, that's what you're doing. This is not... This is not NBA 2K where you just you just grab you try to just grab as many 90 overall players as you can, you know, on my team. Like, no, this is like, hey, we're we're building a team. You're you're working within a cap. You're working within the the talent you're paying the most money to. So you have to build around that. So I, I just feel like, you know, when it comes to Russ, he raises your floor. Because he's going to play hurt. He's going to be available. He never takes days off. Um, But I don't think he raises your ceiling. So come playoff time, and this has been the case for the last, what, five plus years now, uh, his numbers drop significantly. Like, he's already not an efficient shooter during the regular season. But that Mm -hmm. efficiency drops even more in the postseason. His, I mean, just about all of his numbers, his points per game, his uh, his rebounds, his assists, his uh, free throw shooting, three-point shooting, it all drops in the playoffs. And if you have a five-year-plus sample size of that, at some point you got to just say, this is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. and, and there's reasons for that. So I just think, you know, now, now if Wall is not going to be available and he's going to be on the couch rehabbing all the time, well, then, yeah. Russ is, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. Um, right, right. Move. Um, and, and I think that's to be determined, you know, as far as Wall's health going forward. Right, um, everyone's already counting him out. It's like, guys, it was one season and he played on the Rockets. Like, he probably would have played, like, you know, if they were competitive. If they were competitive, yeah. And, you know, they were trying to tank at that point. Um, right. You know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes this coming year. I mean, I think he is two, he's two years old, two years younger than Russ, so. We'll mm-hmm. see how that goes going forward. Um, but I think right now, you know, as far as Tommy overall is concerned, I think he's done done a good job. Uh, I do too. For what he's had, he has to work with. I mean, he's he's done really well on the margins. Um, you know, he got Thomas Bryant basically for nothing. He got Bertans basically for nothing. Um, whether you believe Bertans eighty million is an overpay or not, uh, just getting that asset. For basically, uh, uh, I believe it was Aaron White who hasn't even touched the league. Uh, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a steal. Uh, and then you go and you turn Troy Brown Jr., who was not getting time here for various reasons. 
uh, into a Daniel Gaffer who looks like who could be a building block. He's a starter for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think and then you know Neto bringing in Neto on a on a vet minimum, uh, and then uh, Robin Lopez did well for him. I still think the mid level for him was too much, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess. You know, this is DC, and if you're going to get a guy like that, a proven veteran, I guess you got to kind of overpay a little bit. But um, yeah, which is sad. Signings, yeah, yeah. I mean, those those signings worked out well um, for him, but I think now is the time where he's got to really stake his claim um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of GMs out here that can work on the margins, that can draft pretty decently, but the ones that uh, you know are are acclaimed as the best are the ones that can make the big moves that can take the big risks. Um, you know, the Daryl Morris, uh, the Danny Ainges, uh, you know, the, the Pat Riley's, um, those, those are the ones that, you know, can make the big move. And I think we're at a crossroads here with this off season where, you know, the margins the margin moves not going to work no more. You got to find a way to get over the hump. And, uh, I, I hope Tommy is up to the challenge, but we'll see. So we've seen Tommy make several small changes, but all of those small changes, in my opinion, have all positively impacted the franchise. I mean, even going back to um, the Mo Wagner, Isak Bonga deal, to the Daniel Gaffer deal, to the Bertans deal, uh, to the Jerome Robinson deal, I think that all of those were still good. I think, again, the the only deal that I haven't liked under Tommy Shepard so far was the... Uh, Napier for McRae deal. I, st- I said it at the time. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it now, especially when you consider that we could be using a guy like uh, Jordan McRae on the roster right now. He'd probably be our starting three. And he didn't, I think he had under uh, $2 million if we wanted to keep him for this year. So, um, yeah. you know, that's a, it's a little disappointing. But uh, you're talking about small move that doesn't mean probably too much um <clears throat> in the long run and then yeah, in the grand scheme. we've also now seen him make the big splash he did that um he took a risk and you know for, for better or worse um you know he did it but now it's about you need to find a way to bring in talent without having to give up another one of your core star players yeah, so that's what I'm going to grade Tommy on this offseason, is if he can bring in another guy without having to give up anything of substance. I know we've talked about different packages um, and different guys you'd like to see. We'll get more into that in a different episode. But um, I think just for this season, I think I'll give Tommy a B plus. I think that's what I'll give him because I – and we'll never know because it didn't happen, but I would have liked to see Wall with this unit this year. And again, it's nothing against Westbrook for any of his fans or whatever that may be listening, or if you are if you just like Westbrook more than Wall. Again, I'm not saying Wall's a better player or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I would have been intrigued to see a guy like a Bertans with a Wall. Um, you know, how would yeah. the offense looked more if it was maybe Wall not pounding it as much, like – because with Russ and, and Brad, it's like uh, a dribble, dribble, put up an inefficient shot, even if it goes in. Um, you know, for a while, I feel like there would have been more ball movement. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, it's about it's about building a team, and I and I, I keep using the same example. You know, 76ers, You know, they got swept by the Boston Celtics last year. 
Um, you got two stars that they, you know, people were saying, the media was saying, didn't get along, didn't hang out. You had a lame duck head coach that everyone said was pretty much mediocre and couldn't get this team over the hump. And you had an Al Horford contract that was an albatross that you needed to get off. Uh, you needed shooting around Ben Simmons and Embiid. And you needed a coach that was going to get the most out of them. And Sir Daryl Morey, he comes in and, you know, he goes against Doc Rivers. You, you switch out Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. You sign Dwight Howard. You get off that Al Horford contract for Danny Green. And now all of a sudden you're a one seed in the East. And you just knock the Wizards out. You go from six seed to one seed. And now you're a title contender. Like, that's what that's what elite GMs do. Um, yeah. And Tommy Shepard has an opportunity to stake his claim as being one of those elite GMs. We'll see what he does. Right, because I think if you were to compile a list of GMs and rank them, I mean, at least at this point, based on moves that he's made since he's been with the you know head of the team, I mean, you got to consider him at least middle of the pack, if not slightly above average. I mean, I mean, when you talk about all the young talent that he's acquired, even if they didn't stick around, but again, every move that he's made has been the right move at the right yeah. time for this team. And it wasn't like obvious talent. Right. It wasn't like top three pick taking Jason Tatum. You know, right. it wasn't that. Like it was got Thomas Bryant. Nobody had Thomas Bryant on their radar. Nobody had Daniel Gafford on their radar. Nobody had Bertans on their radar. I mean, he was barely getting 15 minutes a game with the Spurs. Uh, you know, Denny dropped fell in the draft, you know, uh, and he still took him. And then and then Rui, nobody had Rui as a uh a top ten pick coming into that draft. I think I saw one draft site that had Rui as like a top five pick. But other than that, he was in the teens or twenties. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, now he's looking like one of the better players out of that draft. Uh so yeah, I mean that's how you make your claim. Um but you know, on the margins and, and doing things that aren't as obvious. Um but now you gotta go and do the big the big thing, you know, take the big yeah. risk. So uh I'm 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 excited to see what happens, uh, and I'll just say I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I would say about Tommy, and this has always been a Wizards thing, and they need to figure it out, but they have to figure out a way to get the most out of their second-round picks. I, I'm tired of the second-round picks only being here for a season or two and then literally not contributing at all. Like, there's talent out there. When in doubt, take the length and the athleticism and just try to develop it within. But you literally yeah. took... Cassius Winston, who is five foot zero, and I mean, I know he's probably good for Beal. I know they chuck it up a lot on the sideline. Um, and then who did they take last year? Like, I don't even know who they took last year. Oh, a guy from uh, Tennessee. Um, yeah, Admiral Schofield too isn't even in the Schofield. NBA anymore. So yeah, he's not in the league. Yeah. So please, for the love of God, just try and figure out a way to make use of your second round picks. Because if you can develop those guys for a few years and keep them in house, that's a cheap way to get like a ninth or a tenth man in your rotation. So, yeah, for for sure. I mean, I think I think with the second round picks, it's. I mean, just looking back at the history of them, the ones that have hit, it's usually on on proven skill sets, either shooting defensive instincts or just elite athleticism and usually right. they're like upperclassmen so if you right. can stay within that 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 mold you'll usually come out with a, a player that can contribute but when you're you're taking guys that are like you know bottom 10 percentile athletes you know that's a 
and then they're not good shooters. You know, that's a lot to overcome, you know, talent wise coming onto this level. So, you know, right. And I know there's a the thing like, well, we're adding the the upperclassmen in the second round because you'll be good for our locker room. Okay, if you need a rookie to come in and be good for your locker room, then I suggest <laughs> that you have a problem, and that needs to get fixed. Problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's get on to Scott. Ah, oh, Scotland, I hate you. <laughs> I I really like. I feel like I'm a Scott Brooks hate account at this point. And I hate like talking <laughs> about the same thing because I know that not everyone likes seeing the negativity like all the time. But like he yeah. he bothers me so much that uh, I, I'm not even going to say anything because I don't want to be too rude about it. <laughs> but I just I, I can't stand it anymore. And, and I am embarrassed as a Wiz fan with what Tommy had to say about Scott the other day. I don't I don't care about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I don't care what goes on in the locker room. I care about winning games because that's what's going to keep your fans engaged. That's what's going to make the players happy. If you win, then the players will be happier. And then you don't have to have a coach sitting there trying to build up the locker room because the locker room will already be built up if you're winning basketball games. So, yep. I'm tired of the non-X's and O's. I'm tired of the not knowing what's going on on defense. I'm tired of the just pound, 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 inefficient shot offense. I'm just, I'm over it. The, the mismanagement of the rotations, and I tweeted this the other day, and, and people are trying to make excuses for him. If you need a perfect roster to learn how to manage rotation, you should not be a head coach in the NBA. The good coaches figure it out, especially one that's making damn $7 million a year. Figure it yeah. out, man. Top 10 in the league. Not top ten coach. <laughs> um, no, it's more like bottom one coach. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's it's so bad. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think Luke Walton might have something to say about that. But uh, yeah, I yeah, feel you. He's definitely bottom five for sure. Um, for sure. You know, but you know, it's funny because I was listening to to Cats earlier, and uh, you know, he was talking about the the likelihood of, of Brooks coming back, and he, he yeah, I listened to that yesterday. Yeah. yeah, he mentioned that uh, you know, uh having a, having players that buy into a C plus system oh, is 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 more important than players who don't buy into an A system. And I'm just kinda like, really? Just like, That's not how you win, buddy. <laughs> um um I, I guess I guess that I guess that would explain kind of like the Brooks the Brooks situation versus the Brad Stevens situation. You know, he's a Brad is an elite. X's and O's guys, but you know the the players were kind of tuning him out. Um, so then he moves into the front office, and now they're on a coach search. But either way, you know the Celtics, the Blazers, uh, you know even the Pacers firing Nate McMillan. I mean, firing guys who've done more, and arguably with less than Brooks, and they're getting fired. But we're over here contemplating. And I, I just don't I don't understand it. Um, I think I just think you can do a lot better than a guy who who, again, I think Brooks is a good guy. I think he's a well liked, you know, corny, but funny dude. I think, right. you know, the, the you know, the best players like him because, you know, he, he's the guy that's going to ask you about your family. You know, he's going to ask you how your weekend went. You know, he has a genuine interest in your well-being. Right. You know, so and for a player that matters, you know, that, that type of relationship building that matters. 
um, instead of just a guy that's just kind of, you know, work, work, work. All right. Get out my face. You know, if you hurt, I'm not going to come. I'm not seeing you in the hospital. You know, that stuff matters. But, um, you know, the managing the personalities. But in the in the playoffs, if you're trying to win, man, unless you have a LeBron level type talent, you need a coach. You need a coach. Like it's just it's just you need a guy that can really draw up schemes, can put counters together, can can it's early on lineups and rotations, not somebody that's late to it. Like why why is Daniel Gafford finally starting when you're in an elimination game? Like he should have been starting months ago. Um mm-hmm. you know, you you never made an adjustment to Raul Neto just getting cooked and, and sought out by Philadelphia Wings. Uh he literally had but, Ish Smith on Tobias Harris. Like how? It's crazy. I mean, I mean, those guys, I think I think Neto for the series averaged like six points, something like that. If that you're telling me Hutchison couldn't give you five, six points. I mean, it's not it's not like the the offense you were getting was so vital that you had to have a six foot guard out there playing small forward. Like, like, you know, like. Yeah, we'll we'll take a slight downgrade in shooting, but get a huge upgrade in and and de- defensive versatility, man. Because I mean, it's just you were getting killed out there, and he never made the adjustment. Um, no. So I, I just feel like they can do a lot better at coaching. Um, and and you know, again, back on Tommy, he got to be able to make that tough decision, no matter what the players are saying, because the players are gonna go with the guy that lets them do whatever the hell they want to do. Because uh, I'll yeah. tell you what, I'll tell you what, and this all ties in together because guess what? If you go into the season, Scott Brooks is your coach again, you have a shit season, guess whose job is on the line? Not only Scott's, guess who else's job is on the line? It's going to be yours, buddy. So you got to make yep. the tough decision. And it sucks because Scott is a good guy. And if they want to have some separate role for him within the organization where he can stay in the basketball operations and kind of help with that whole thing, I'm cool with that. But he yeah. can't be the head coach of this team going forward. I'm sorry. It, it just it can't happen. I mean, you look at Terry Stotts, who, who's accomplished way more than Scott, um, when you talk about the times with their respective teams. And they're, they're finally letting Terry go because they realize, hey, you know, it's, it's just not going to work. Uh, the, the thing that sucks um, and the difference is there's every excuse in the world for the Wizards. Um, <laughs> And I was going to do this thing today where we can try role-playing. And I'll be Scott, and you can just be yourself. And you can ask me any question, and I'll give you an excuse as to why things didn't work the way they were supposed to. But maybe we'll save that for another day. But I I was thinking about it, and and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm a reporter or or just someone else on the side that's talking to Scott Brooks. I'm going to ask him a question. And I came up with an excuse for literally everything. So, and some of it has some validity to it, but when you talk about like the overall five-year body of work, you cannot tell me that this guy deserves to keep his job. You just can't. No, I mean, when you you compare him to his peers, uh, you look at where the Wizards were 2016-17, and then you look at those standings then, and you look at the teams that were below them. And then you look at the standings now, uh, this past year, and you see how many teams have passed them in the standings. Um, I, I just think it's just no way you can say 
yeah, let's bring this back. Let's bring him back because he's going to lead us to contention. Like, it's just it's just no way. Like, it just makes it makes no sense. And again, I think he's a great guy. I'm sure he's able to manage personalities decently well, um, you know, but no, no. I mean, it, the, it's, this is a results-based business. This is not a, a likability-based business. This is a results-based business. If it was about likability, you know, I mean, it'd be a lot of coaches that still have jobs right now. Um, right. So I just think, again, you know, Tommy's got to make the make the I don't think it's a tough decision, but maybe for him it's a tough decision because you have the Russell Westbrook dynamic. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, but yeah, I, I, Tommy's got to make the decision. Yeah. You know what? If Russ did more for us, um, his totality during the season, then maybe I would be more inclined to do that. But. When you started off the season playing no better than a backup point guard and in the postseason you were not good at all, your opinion yeah. doesn't – it's not really a factor when I'm deciding who to bring in as head coach. Now, now, of course, I want you to get along with them. I'm not saying I – like if Russ was like, no, I freaking hate this guy like because X, Y, Z and they're all valid reasons. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to hire him anyway. But like you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean you cannot make – uh, you know, head coaching decisions that's this important, important based on a declining 32-year-old point guard. Like, He's only going to be here for do. another year. Yeah, I mean, the season, he, he kind of ended the season the way he started it. And so it's kind of like, you know, is this who we, is this who we, he is? And if that's the right. case, I mean, you cannot make decision, head coaching decisions based on that. Um, that would be so, Wizards. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Um, but like I say, it's, it's, you know, it's other variables at play here. Cause I know, you know, I know Russ wants Brooks and I know Beal wants Russ. So it's like, okay, if you get rid of Brooks, does that make Russ say, I don't want to be here no more. And then if Russ doesn't want to be here no more, what does Beal say? You know? So, you know, I, I get, I get it, but they, they gotta, they gotta make the right decision here. And we know what that right decision is. So. I mean, if they want to go ahead and expedite this rebuild, I'm cool with that too, to be honest. If you go ahead and bring the young coach, bring in a Becky Hammond, bring in a Wes Unsell to whoever to to put their stamp on the organization and get this rebuild going. I mean, uh, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Westbrook's going to be a wizard no matter what next season. Beal's going to be a wizard uh, no matter what next season. So um, those two guys aren't going anywhere. It's going to be about, okay, who are they bringing in? I'm really hoping that the Mavericks can win this game seven, but uh, we'll see. Now, uh, is that is that because you you want the Mavericks to do well, or because you have uh, ulterior motives? As I have the Clippers. Yeah, because because <laughs> if Kawhi's like, well, shit, we can't even get past the first round, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, if Kawhi's not going to stay, then we should probably try and dump Paul George, and then. Mm. Yeah, yep. there, there's a lot of wings that the Wizards can go and get this summer quietly. Now, now some of them, like DeRozan, may not be the best fit personnel-wise, but I guess that's still talent, you know? And you don't have to use him as a three. You know, you can try playing DeRozan at the four. Some I think he played the majority of his minutes at the four for San Antonio, but then it's like, well, what do you do with Rui? And I understand why, why it becomes a problem, because then, like, if you add DeRozan, for example, like, your first four... And that's without assuming that Gafford would be the starting five. Uh, but your first four are, are not really shooters anymore. So it's like, where do you get your shooting from? And that you know, although 
I would like yeah. to say Rui's kind of turning into a sniper a little bit, at least from his set yeah. shot. Yeah, he yeah. added that little he added that little hop step to his jumper, man. It's 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 looking good, man. But he, I mean, he always had the mechanics. I mean, you, yeah. you got a guy that shot eighty percent from the free throw line, had a had a great mid range jumper day one. How, I mean, I don't see how people thought he wasn't going to add a three point shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, staying on the head coaching things, have you changed um <clears throat> your opinion on all on who you would like to see them bring in? Uh, I mean. Do you still like Wes? Um, are you a Becky person now? Or are you a Sam Cassell, a Darvin Ham? Like, where do you kind of sit with that? Um, I still like Wes, um, even though some of the some of the articles I've read on him and some of the things I've seen since the last time we've had this coach debate haven't been the most flattering, at least from like a, a, a for the type of team we have. Elaborate. Um, well, just because you have Russ and Beal, you have two alpha dog personalities. You know, I've heard I've heard some things or read some things on West that he's not he's not like the personality to deal with, you know, two alpha dogs like that. So um, he'll get in your grill basically? No no, he won't. That's the thing. Like he he's he's kinda like a you know Oh. Uh oh, that he's a perfect like he's, man for the job. Yeah, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna challenge you know, the alpha right. dog. Yeah, you can't have that. that. Yeah, so, you know, good, good, great mind, great, great character, of course, great guy, um, good X's and O's, particularly defensively, but uh, is he a guy as a first-time head coach that's going to challenge Russ and Beal to be better? Um, right. <clears throat> so with that in mind, again, I still like the idea of him um, coming here, but I think for what the Wizards are trying to do and, and who they have at the top of the organization, I think they may have to look at uh, uh, someone that's a little bit more firm, uh, you know, that's got, that's also an alpha that's going to, you know, that Russ and Beal are going to respect day one. Um, that's why I recently I've been mentioning like Jason Kidd, um, really? even though he, he had a bad stint in Milwaukee, uh, I feel like he's well-respected around the league. Um, and I think that's why, you know, LeBron wanted him on his staff. I think that's why Dame wants him now. Um, like those guys, like Jason Kidd can tell you how to play point guard and you are going to listen, you know? Um, and, and Jason Kidd is not somebody that's just going to go along to get along. Um, I think that's part of the problem he had in Milwaukee. But I think I think this franchise needs a little bit of that. Uh, you know, and, and we've kind of talked about Russ needing to kind of transition this back part of his career into a more Jason Kidd like role where he's more a distributor instead of trying to take 20 shots a game. I mean, who better to show him how to do that than the man himself? So, uh, I would, I would, I didn't have Jay Kidd on my radar before, but I would, I would now add him. I've always kind of spoke up Mark Jackson because he's another one that immediately you're, he's going to command respect and he's going to hold guys accountable. I, I wonder about Chauncey. About, yeah, Chauncey's another one, but I thought I thought Chauncey was was uh was trying to get front, a front office gig and then I saw that he was on he was on the the Clippers staff. So right. um, with Ty Lue. So I guess he, you know, and I think he's now in the running for the the Blazers job as well. So um yeah, I think I think 
former former point guards, former elite point guards that that demand respect. I like the idea of that here. Uh because again, it's gotta be somebody that's gonna be able to hold Beal and Russ accountable. You know, if them dudes right. miss a defensive assignment or they turn the ball over twelve twelve times, no, you need to that call was them embarrassing. to the carpet. You need to call them to the carpet. Like it's no more go alone to get along because we want the guys to just be happy and do whatever they want to do. Like, no, can't have it. Yeah, you can go do that on another team and not waste my eyes every night. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the disciplinarian type of, I don't know how much you know or if you've read anything about it, but I wonder how Becky Hammond would be and how it handle this type of environment because she's been under pop. So I wonder if she kind of has that that sort of background to her coaching style, but I don't know if you've read anything on that or seen anything. Yeah, I haven't read much on, on like, you know, how she is in the locker room or her personality. Um, so I, I'm really not sure at all. Um, I I wouldn't I would be interested to see it though. I would imagine as a woman, like you know, she's gonna come in, be firm as shit. You have to, you know. Yeah, you have to. Like you're in a, you know, you know that. Yeah, I would I would imagine she would have to be that way just by default. But you just mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah, uh, it's it's just it's really bothering me at this point that they haven't announced that Brooks is going to be gone because you need to be getting a head start on anyone that may be interested in the job or if there are guys out there that you would like for them to be interested in the job uh, right. because what's going to happen is the, as these coaching positions start opening up, guys are already going to have their minds made up where they want to go coach and yeah. if you don't get your guys or at least put your foot out there early in the process you're going to get stuck with uh, a Nate Bjorkgren type guy. Um, right. a, a guy who's not really going to do, I mean, at that point you might as well just keep Brooks, which is probably what they're going to end up doing anyway. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I, 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 that would be my guess. My guess would be is they keep him for another year. I, I hate to say that, but I think that's what they're going to do. And I'll be rooting for someone else next season. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think though that you think that you think they'll move on or you think they'll keep him? Man. Oh man. I'm gonna go they move on. Okay. But it's it's really fifty fifty, man. I really It really know. is. Like yeah. the, the, the pessimist in me is like, they're gonna bring this dude back. But I'm just like, come on, Tommy knows better. He knows better, like he's gotta know better. And but we'll see. But I'm going to say they move on, hopefully. Okay. I don't understand. Like, if you look at the rosters that we've had under the Scott Brooks era, I've never seen one coach waste so many talents. Like, from Trey Burke, who plays a significant role on a playoff team, to Austin Rivers, who plays a significant role on a playoff team. I mean, who else can we find that was useless for us and is good for other teams? Like, it's just annoying. Bojan, right? Bojan here was terrible. Uh, yeah, now he's a he key. Goes to Indiana okay. and the Jazz, mm-hmm. and now he's he's hooping. So, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise! Who would have guessed? You can't make everybody a ISO based or stand in the corner player and think you know that's just going to work. So, right, especially if you talk about bringing a Jeremy Grant in. If you make Jeremy Grant go ISO every play, you're not going to like the product that you see. Now he can do it. I'm not saying he can't, but that can't be the main way that you use him. No. 
So no, not at because all. at that point, then you may as well just bring in DeRozan if that's the hill you want to die on. Yep. I mean, we'll shoot 20% from three, but our mid-range, we'll, we'll shoot like probably 85% of our shots in the mid-range <laughs> area. So. Yep. Anything else you got on uh, Tommy or Scott before we go on and get out of here? Uh, Tommy, do what you got to do, man. Make the tough decision. Uh, and that's, that's really it. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening today to this part. I know it sounded kind of rough on my part. Um, we're going to have a few more episodes come out where we kind of, again, we'll, we'll do the season review next. We'll probably do a, a Russ and Beal talk, and then we'll kind of um, get into free agents, and then we'll get into guys that will be back, or, or at least under contract. I'll put it like that. Um. And if for some reason we hear some news on Brooks, then we may be back. I'm hoping uh, in a couple weeks we will have more clarity on the situation, maybe our, our narrowed list of candidates um, that they want to try and bring in. I mean, we've already seen they fired Terry Stotts, and then now the, the Trailblazers have already narrowed down their search to two guys. So yeah, uh, that's something that we would have hoped. Yeah, for looking at Stotts, so. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that'd be something. I think that'd be a good fit for them, though. To be honest with you, Curtis Levert would like that. Yeah, so, yeah. But anyway, um, thank you guys for taking the time to listen today. We'll try to be back with you soon, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>